Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's very special episode of TCCP is none other than Worcestershire and former Lanks opener Taylor Cornell. So Taylor, first things first mate, thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on for a chat about all things county cricket. I have to ask mate, how's your day been so far? Uh, it's been very good, thank you. Yeah, did a little bit of yoga. Uh, Wednesdays are quite stress-free for us, so yeah, it's very nice. Sorry, you've done some yoga. I think that's a new one on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yoga. Yeah, it seems to be, uh, not many teams seem to do it, but yeah, it's every Wednesday for us. Yeah, I don't think I've heard that on the podcast. We're 210 episodes in now. I don't think I've ever had such a unique activity being discussed in the introduction. And in terms of yoga, what's your favourite pose then, Taylor? Oh, I hate them all, to be honest with you. I'm not very flexible. Some of the positions some of the lads get into are very interesting. Who's the best at yoga in that Worcestershire team? I'd probably have to go Joe Leach. Is he? Very flexible man. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. <laughs> Joe Leach flexible. is a yogi. Yep, every Monday. Goodness me, there we go. You learn something new every single day. Joe Leach, yoga master. We'll have to get him on for a chat about that one day. So, Joe, if you are listening... That'd be, that'd be, really, that'd be really good. Definitely would be. Teach me some things as well. I'm not very flexible myself, to be honest, Taylor, so I can definitely... I can, <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Never been a yoga man myself, more of a cricket and, and football man. But yeah, who knows? Maybe a conversation with Joe Leach could turn me into a yogi. We'll have to wait I'm and sure see. Sort you out. <laughs> yeah, certainly good by the sounds of it. But so we're not here to to discuss Joe Leach's masterful yoga abilities. Maybe potentially later on in the podcast we can pick that conversation back up. But just for the for the new listeners out there who aren't quite familiar with how the Counter Cricket Podcast actually works. Essentially, today I'm going to be talking to Taylor all about his critting memories. Then a large chunk of today's discussion will, of course, revolve around the likes of Lancashire and Worcestershire. And then we'll end today's discussion with a chat about the future. But Taylor, before we jump the gun and we get into all of that good stuff then, I want to transport you all the way back to the origins of the Taylor Cornell cricketing story. So what were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this sensational game um i would probably say as many of us i imagine back with just dad in the garden and watching him play is where i really grew to love the game really um yeah it all all boils down to him he had a strong passion and played every saturday and i would go down like i'm sure many of us will and played in the nets until he was finished and we went home well it's a lovely journey it really is always like that familial connection when it comes to cricket, and obviously your dad has played a massive role then. And for those who don't know, what is your dad's name? Just to give him a bit of a shout-out on the podcast. Uh, Chris. Chris. Shout-out to Chris, because without his his know-how, his love of the game, Taylor wouldn't be a professional cricketer. So, yeah, shout-out exactly. to Chris. Yeah, exactly. And in terms of the local club, which local club was that? Was that Thornton Cleveley by any chance? It was Thornton Cleveley, yes. A very good club. Still going strong, uh, always had a good junior section, and it really gave me a really nice platform just to play and relax and meet a load of friends. I still catch up with them now every Christmas. So, yeah, really, really good club. Could not recommend more to anyone out there oh. who, may, who may need to join a club in the Northwest. Well, there you go, who folks. Thornton Cleveley, go and join them. That is the advice from Taylor Cornell on today's episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. And yeah, I can't really agree much more when it comes to club cricket. 
It's just fantastic, isn't it, in terms of making memories, making friends, and just having a fantastic time. Club cricket really is the purest form of the game, in my opinion. I say that as a club cricketer for my local team of, of Rowington. And Taylor, this is going to be an interesting question then, before we talk about role models and idols and influences on your particular game. What's your favourite ever club cricket memory? Is there one that really stands out from your time in the club scene? Um, oh, that's, that's a very tough question. Um, not There's not one necessarily that sticks to mind, but I remember winning as a 16-year-old, winning a semi-final um, with Thornton Cleavers and um, a bloke by the name of Danny Howard, there's another shout-out for him there. Um, it was an impossible situation and he, he managed to whack us out of trouble. But yeah, so that would probably be my memory in celebrating that with everyone was fantastic. Fair enough. Any more shout-outs for the podcast, by the way, Taylor? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see, won't we, as the, as the podcast progresses. But obviously, Thornton Cleveley then have had a massive influence on your cricketing journey. And aside from the likes of Chris and Danny, I always ask this to, to professional cricketers because it's interesting, really. But in those formative years, aside from your family, did you have anybody in the professional game, per se, you tried to look up to, try to almost model your game off of in those most formative of years? I think the obvious one for a lot of left-handed batters is uh, Sir Alex the Cook. And yeah, he's almost been a role model of mine, the way he constructs innings and the patience in which uh, he carries out the game is remarkable, really. So I would probably say him. That would be my choice. Great shout. Can't really argue with Chef Water Cricketer. Just the fifth all-time leading test run scorer is Sir Alistair Cook, and one of the greatest, if not the greatest, ever English cricketers to ever grace the game. In fact, Taylor, would you say that, that Chef's up there in terms of the all-time oh, He's great? got to be, hasn't he? He has to be. The record speaks for itself. The fact he's still playing now and still turning out the hundreds, isn't he? He is indeed. He's unbelievable, Sir Alistair Cook, and he, he comes across as, as quite a nice bloke. Um, I'm not sure. Have you met him on the circuit? Because you did play against Essex. Um, I have played against him, but no, we've never, never really met him. Oh, that's a shame. Hopefully, fingers crossed one day. One day. Exactly. One day, Taylor, you'll get the chance. Yeah, Chef comes across as quite a nice and, and humble individual for someone who's achieved so much in the game. And as you rightfully said, what a player. What an extraordinary cricketer Sir Alistair Cook was. And talking of Chef and, and talking of the domestic circuit here, there in England, I suppose, Taylor... Let's, let's shift the discussion to County Cricket, which is, of course, the, the titular name of the podcast, the County Cricket Podcast. We do like to have a chat about it, funnily enough. But aside from international cricket, what were your first kind of dealings with, with the county game, per se? Um, I've always, the club has always had like a, an affiliation being in Lancashire with Lancashire. And I remember going down to Old Trafford, um, watching games there, watching games get uh, rained out there a lot. Um, from a young age and we'd always go down to Blackpool um, which isn't too far away um, watching the four-day games there which were, were a great watch. It's lovely isn't it? Yeah, that's Blackpool nice Cricket Club. Very much so. Interesting interesting place Blackpool but the cricket club's lovely yeah. It is indeed and aside from watching then so obviously that, that connection with Lanx I was expecting that to be honest given the location of, of Lytham St. Anne's and Blackpool and that, that Northwestern connection. But aside from watching those games then, what about in terms of playing county cricket? When did that journey kind of, of begin in the first place? So that started right the way back under 11s. Um, I remember having a trial at Burnley Cricket Club. Um, and then, yeah, we got picked for the under 11s and I 
played all the way up to the 19s. Still have a lot of good friends there that I still speak to, to now. Excellent. That's always nice to hear. And in terms of those players, because Lancashire over the years have produced some outstanding cricketers and, to be honest, continue to do so, as is the case with a lot of counties nowadays, actually, we've got quite the the strength in depth in the county game at the moment. But in terms of those cricketers then and those teammates, who are some of the names, Taylor, that we should be aware of? Well, we've obviously got the, in our age group, for example, there was like Tom Hartley, George Devell, always play, uh, played up a year in our age group. Um, there's a load from from that three years at Lanks, going all the way up to um, Matt Parkinson's age group and that ridiculous age group, which God knows how many of them are playing. But um, I think there was a, yeah, there was obviously Tom, George, uh, Michael Jones at Durham. He's had a tremendous year and he's, he's a hell of a player. So with, there's, a, there's a lot of us all dotted around here, there and everywhere. Yeah, there most certainly are, and some excellent names in there. Tom Hartley's gone and played in the T10, hasn't he? Recently as yeah, well. His, yeah, we played at the uh, we played at the same club, Ormskirk, for a while. Um, and Tom, yeah, came. I think he went to Australia one year, and his game just went to another level. And now, I remember facing him, thinking, "Christ, how am I going to how am I going to get him away here?" And and then now it's like, and then his career just skyrocketed immensely. And something you really like to see is a lovely lad. Exactly. You want to see that with your former teammates. And yeah, Tom Hartley, serious cricketer. He's just a very, he's almost like a Chris Green kind of bowler, isn't he? Or an Imad Wazim. He doesn't generate massive turn, but he just jams the ball under the bat. He just seems like someone who's so frustrating to face. And he doesn't really miss either. Well, exactly, yeah. (laughs) And when you can, (laughs) I wish my bowling was like that. Don't we all, but yeah, he's a serious talent. Tom Hartley, again, definitely <laughs> someone to watch out for. That spin duo of him and Matt Parkinson is something to behold. Mm. It is one of the best in the entire country. So yeah, watch and out. And we've got Jack Morley in there as well. Another talented who, youngster. Yeah, who I'm sure we haven't, I don't think we've quite seen completely what he's going to offer yet. He's he's the one that played a couple of age, always played on our under-19 side. And yeah, he's another fantastic bowler who's, I think he's only going to go, he's only going one way. Yeah, he's a, a very, very seriously talented prospect. So, again, Lancashire fans got quite the, the slew of spin talents up at Old Trafford at the moment. So, so, definitely some exciting times for fans of There's the Red Rose. Uh, never saw the talent up in Lancashire. There certainly isn't. And actually, funnily enough, talking of that talent, can't believe I haven't asked this, to be honest yet, Taylor. But in terms of those bowlers, we've named some pretty good bowlers there. And obviously, Lancs have got some tremendous talent up and down the, the system of that academy. But who do you say was the toughest bowler you ever faced in that Lancashire age setup? Oh, um, well, that's a tough one, actually. Um, I mean, I'd probably go with Tom Hartley, to be honest with you. I think he's the obvious one that comes to mind. And like, we went out way to play Livam against Ormskirk. And I used to say to the captain, oh, great, I'll take him on today. I'll, I'll smash him out of the attack. And I never did. I always ended up chipping one off or running down and missing one. And he always seemed to get the better of me. So I'd go Tom. Tom would be my choice. Fair enough. He is an exceptional bowler. Honestly, I think he's got such a high ceiling in the game. And he can also bat as well, as I found out firsthand against my county of Warwickshire (laughs) up at Old Trafford this season. So thanks for that, Tom, hitting those two sixes at the end. Luckily, the Bears did finish top of the North group regardless. But yeah, definitely someone to watch. Keep on the radar. I'd say, heading into the future. But, Taylor, I suppose the, the other question I'd have, actually, about that time in the length setup, really, 
was why do you think things didn't necessarily pan out in that first attempt of becoming a Lanx player? Was there anything in particular which almost hindered you in that first stint um, with the Northern Club? I don't think so. I just don't think the timing was ever right for me there. And I think at times when maybe there was a chance that I wasn't quite good enough at the time. But um, look, it's a, they've got such a big talent pool to pick from. And um, if you're not good enough at a particular time, there's going to be someone else who is. And that's just the, the hard reality of it, really. And sometimes you get runs in big games and that makes a difference. And you can find yourself with more opportunities. But at the time where, when I was 18, 19, my first, when I was sort of first played a couple of second team games, it was so hard to get any consistent games because just because of the, as I said, the vast talent and the amount of pros they had there. So there's some unbelievable pros there who, who've had to either go to other counties or they've had to, they've had to spend a lot of time in the second team. Um, who at other counties they they played probably played 100 first class games now. Like someone like Rob Jones is a fantastic batter, and he um, he's on, he he's broken. He's a more um, regular first team now, but at the, t- the time he was the one who was were playing, um, and he every single time I seem to play with him, he seemed to get a hundred. So, uh, so yeah, it was, it's one of them where you, you had to buy your time. There's a lot of good players there, and it's not it's not as easy as just being straight. It's like being picked up straight away. It most certainly isn't, and as you said, a county of Lancashire's quality and prestige it is tremendously difficult to ever break into that first 11 setup. And in terms of, of your release, I suppose, at that time, Taylor, how did you actually deal with that then, per se? How did you so at that time, there, that was never really a, there was never really a... At that point, there was never really a release of such. It was more, I was... There was just... I wasn't even in a prospect of anywhere near getting a contract, really. I was playing a couple of games and I went off to university. So uh, there was never... The, it never seemed like a... I wouldn't say it was a release because there was no sort of... Um, I was I probably played five second team games at that point, if not. And it was a sort of thing where I never sort of... I always saw myself going to university and breaking through that way. I don't know why. I just always envisioned it happening like that. So um, it was just to really crack on and hopefully get another chance in the future. And luckily that did happen, as we shall discuss. It did in due course but it's funny you mention actually then that university scheme and the fact that you always envisioned yourself breaking through via the mccu program why is that out of interest because it is an unorthodox journey into the game it is it's an unorthodox uh, journey but it's something that so many creators go through now and I, i personally can't believe the ecb hasn't backed it a little bit more i think it's an unbelievable scheme um all the centers of excellence provide universities uh, students with the chance to play cricket at the highest level like I know they've declassified the first class games now but before that people were getting a chance to play first class cricket um, and also get a degree at the same time but for me it was more I was always going to university I always had uh, educational aspirations and and wanted to, my mum was always she's always banged on about education first and then we'll uh, we'll see where sport goes after that fair enough it is it is quite sage advice because you never know how that sporting career is going to pan out you and don't, do you? always need a plan b don't you very much so you do indeed and in terms of your degree am i correct 
in assuming, or I should know actually, I did the research for this, it's ecological economics. That's a very interesting degree yeah. to choose. <laughs> yeah, I have a, a master's in ecological economics. That's a, it's an interesting sort of almost the f- shaping the future in a way of how we can move forward sustainably and how maybe in 50 years time the economy looks and different ways in which things interact but it was a very interesting it was a very interesting year studying um even though i probably didn't quite plan for it to begin with it was uh with uh covid and everything that happened so yeah i've got some great memories from university got some great friends and that um the course was very good well that's excellent here taylor and obviously congratulations on achieving that master's that is a big achievement to say the very least, and a very interesting degree, as I said. I don't think I've ever said the words ecological economics on the podcast <laughs> together before. It's it's becoming quite the theme, to be honest, for today's recording. We started it uniquely with yoga, now we're talking about ecological economics. Who knows what else this recording has got in store for us, eh? But <laughs> in terms of, of that university pathway, that setup, that system, the programme of the MCCU, what do you say personally was the biggest positive associated with that scheme what's the most helpful aspect in terms of developing you as both a person and of course a professional cricketer I would say for me it gave me the option to train all the time I'd never been involved in the academy I'd never really had like the access to facing bowling machines all the way through the winter people flicking and it gives you a chance to train as a professional and if you train as a professional you then you're only going to get better. And it's not an instant process. It's not something that you have to hear a lot of balls to to build up that 10,000 hours as people talk about. And it gives you that opportunity to too, but also by experiencing life as well and living away from home and uh, living with your friends. Um, so, there's so there's so much. I, I could not recommend it more to anyone, to any young creator who, even if they're professional now, go and do it you make some great friends and the exposure that it gives you for example say you're a young say you're a young cricketer and you the pre-season comes in you can go and play against the county and if you score 100 then you're next in line in your county 100 percent. again some very safety advice and we've seen it with a lot of cricketers recently haven't we i think in particular of one mccu program which is loughborough so you've had the likes of james bracy sam cook hassan azad michael burgess all of those guys came through that system. And for you personally, Taylor, you came through Leeds Bradford. And that brings me beautifully, actually, onto my next question, which revolves around your first-class debut. Because again, the majority of players that we have on the podcast have made that first-class debut for a first-class county. But you made it for your MCCU team. So what can you remember from that day? And just how proud of a moment was it, stepping out onto that field and becoming a first-class cricketer for the very first time? Yeah, it was, it was a great moment. I think it's unique in the sense that you do it, you walk on there with another mates and it's you're, you're non-professionals. It's it's a very daunting experience at the time. Um, and I think the way it, it prepares you moving forward as well because you are underdogs. And I remember at the time just thinking, please, please don't rain because it's in March. Um, I remember it being very cold. It was a derby. Um, and I managed to edged my first ball for four through gully. So uh, it was a lovely start to get going, really. Doesn't matter how they come. As long as the runs come off the bats, they count. 
The scorecard <laughs> does not say how they come. So <laughs> that doesn't matter, to be honest, Taylor. The important thing is that you scored. And in terms of that game, can you actually remember your scores from that first class day? Yeah, I got I got 19 in the first innings and oh, one in the second innings. You've undersold yourself there. You got five. Oh, five. Wow. Well, there um, you go. I remember it though. It was, um, I missed out a little bit. I got in in the first innings and then I've got a little bit overconfident, probably. Um, but yeah, so it's 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 one of the things that just the game's always got a way of bringing you back down, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, unfortunately. And we'll probably discuss the psychological impacts of batting, in particular, as an opener later on in today's podcast, because again, that's a, a topic which always fascinates me. But in terms of that debut, I did just find this quite fascinating, actually. <laughs> the fact that you're facing off against Ravi Rampal on your first class debut as a university student. This guy, obviously domestic cricket veteran, but he used to play for the West Indies as well. Was that not a little bit surreal? It was very surreal. So actually, my two first class games um, were both, I was out four times and they were all by um, test cricketers. So that was, that was what I was holding on to at the time. I think Dwan Oliver got me twice at Yorkshire um, in the game after. So that was, so at least, it was, but it was a great experience and it is almost surreal. And as I say, you're doing it with your best mates. It's a real nice, close-knit attitude. Oh, well, that's fantastic to hear. And again, a glowing review of the MCCU scheme. So, Taylor, I'm guessing, obviously, a massive advocate of it yourself. It's quite clearly played a massive role in developing you as both a person and a cricketer. And just one final thing, actually, from that first-class debut. I'm just looking at the scorecard. Just something quite interesting here, actually. With regards to your fielding, you actually dismissed one of the Derbyshire players twice in that game. Can you remember who it was? Um, Alex Hughes, maybe? Spot on. There we go. There you go. I just thought that was very interesting. So you got dismissed by Ravi Rampal in both innings, and then you also caught Alex Hughes in both the Derbyshire innings. But yeah, strange game, isn't it, cricket at times? But in terms of the overall result, that's 336 run lost to Derbyshire. Obviously not the ideal result for Leeds Bradford MCCU, but obviously in a game like that, it it's more about not. the experience, isn't it? As opposed to the result. It is. You don't see, there's not many times where the universities compete, unfortunately, but when it does happen, it is fantastic. There's some, there's, there is some amazing results and you always look at it, but it's, it's such a unique experience. Absolutely. And to be honest, Taylor, I'm glad it's had such a profound impact as well. Great to hear. And of course, as you rightfully said beforehand, any young cricketers interested in getting involved in what is now the UCC East programme, I suppose it would be, please feel free to go and check it out. It is definitely worth definitely, it. Definitely, yeah. 100%. 100%. And in terms of the next step then, from those days in the Leeds-Bradford MCCU, I suppose, Taylor, we have to talk about Lancashire County Cricket Club again, because this is the county who you made your county cricket proper debut for, of course. So in terms of, of that move back to Lancs, how did that opportunity materialise in the first place? It was basically a, a little bit of a freak sort of scenario. So we had the, obviously the whole of COVID year in 2021, uh, that second year. And it was at, we were at Leeds doing my Masters and we weren't training at all. We didn't, it didn't hit a ball that winter. After, uh, the only time was when we were friends were messing about in the on the bit of uh, grass outside our apartment. But um, we ended up getting a late call up to play uh, Yorkshire in a non-first-class game. Um, 
we weren't expecting it at all. And then, so we had two weeks to prepare outside. Um, and yeah, so I ended up, and we get 140 in that game, 142, I think. And from there, it was a, that was a, that was a last chance saloon at that point. That was sort of this is my my. If I don't do something in this game, then it's 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 over really. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be sat here. So that sort that game was surreal. Really, it was uh, in March we got lucky. Uh, me and Josh DeCares, I think he got 113 that day. Um, but yeah, it was a hell of a result. And as I say, what I said before about. There's not many times as a student you get to um, almost outperform the counties, but we certainly did that day, and it was a oh, it was fantastic. So once that happened, it then I kind of kind of moved back into the set length setup just due to a couple of recommendations, and I went to go and play a second team game with them, end up getting another hundred, and then before you know it, you're playing the rest of the year in the second team, and chances chances just arrive, don't they? They do indeed. I mean, sometimes you just look at life and you think, isn't it crazy how things work out? The fact that you were that close to almost closing the door on the cricketing dream. You go up and play against Yorkshire, you get that 140, and all of a sudden the door's wide open. It's not just a jar. It's been flung wide open and you've got those opportunities in the second 11. And in terms of that second stint at Lanx, I suppose, after the, the previous age group system, what can you remember walking out onto that field and representing Lancashire County Cricket Club for the very first time because it's been such an unorthodox journey, hasn't it, Taylor, in terms of coming through that setup, then going through the MCCU setup, then obviously having that game, an incredible 140, basically on the verge of, of almost leaving the game of cricket. Then you have that second mm. 11 string of performances, and then all of a sudden you're walking out onto the field in the one-day cup. Just how special, how magnificent of a moment was that for you, walking onto that field and representing the Red Rose of Lancashire? Yeah, it was it was crazy, really. I think um, it was completely surreal. Uh, but what was so nice about it was everyone was so welcoming at that point, and everyone had been everyone made me feel so welcome, and that I deserved to be there. Like Mark Chilton was the coach at that point. And, his fantastic batting coach and it was just it just things fell into place and look those injuries uh Keaton Jennings I think had a grade three calf strain in one of the games and it just sort of fell into place and I was I was there at the right time and yeah it was it was it was lovely because it gave it was almost like a looking back it was almost like a closing closing the page really or turning the page even on my Lanx journey and a nice progression from all the way down in the under 11s to representing the county in the rural in the rural London. So, yeah, it was it was remarkable. I can imagine it was. And were your parents able to come for that game and watch you? They were. They were. It was at Newcastle Cricket Club. Um, I think so. Anyway, was it Gosforth? Yes, that was it. Sorry, um, I dropped a catch as well. That was a surreal moment. Straight up, uh, absolute dolly. Um, a load of Geordies around the boundary let me know about it as well uh, after so that was certainly an experience to learn from um, but yeah it was a fantastic day and then I got to play Old Trafford um, against Essex and that was that was even better playing playing there um, but yeah it was amazing certainly sounds it it really does and obviously mm. against Essex playing against a certain Sir Alistair Cook so that must have been immense he did he got 100 that day very easy 100 and I caught him out. So there you go. 
<laughs> there you go indeed. Yeah, that's a, that's a story to tell your mates, or indeed a host of the County Cricket Podcast all those months later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly is. But in terms of that game, actually, against Durham, I did find this very interesting because I do enjoy watching the odd bits of, of Second Eleven on MV Play. Great website, by the way. If anyone wanted to look at highlights, MV Play, tremendous. I don't even think it does it justice, Taylor. It's outstanding. Yeah. This is a goated website for anybody interested in not just Second Eleven cricket, but county cricket. In general, you can literally find a database of every single county cricketer. But I had actually seen a bit of you playing before for Lanks in the second eleven, and obviously you're a top order option. So I have to ask on debut, why were you batting at number eight? I think it was purely at the time that so I was due to bat seven, um, and everyone was going to shift up one. I think it was at the time it was just the way the team fell, and I was very much there to fill a hole rather than. I don't think I was really expected to to do. I wasn't expected to do that much. We had a lot of good play. There's a lot of good players playing in that team, um, so it was almost like a yeah, almost just the way it fell. Um, but it was almost sort of pressure off almost because I didn't really expect. No, I wasn't really expected to do that much. So it was sort of, oh, if I get a chance to slog a few at the end, I'll, I'll slog a few. Did you find that a bit weird though? Because obviously opening is a specialist art form, isn't it? You're used to facing off against the new ball and fresh bowlers and you've got a lot of time, obviously. You're facing the ball right from the get-go. But obviously in that game, you would have been playing more of a finisher role. Did did that take a little bit of adjusting and getting used to? I think it always does. I think but at the time, I think I was just so in awe of the occasion. It was just, right then, let's have a, let's have a crack and see what happens. <laughs> good attitude to be fair very good attitude and obviously a massive moment and one which basically all of that journey had been leading up to so that must have been absolutely remarkable and Taylor this is going to be a tough question but would you say that debut was your proudest moment in a Lanx shirt or did something else top that per se? No I probably would say so yeah i say it was a it was a lovely a lovely turn of the page almost a finisher on what was like a a 10, 12 year journey at the county. And every day, the dad drove me up for on the 13s and the 14s and the 15s training at Old Trafford. Um, yeah, it was a nice end to what was a long, hard and hard journey, really. It most certainly was. But you know that old saying anything that's, you know, too easy in life isn't worth having, is it? To be honest, you've got to work hard for it's things. Not, <laughs> In your case, you certainly did work hard. It's very unorthodox and interesting route to that mm. list day debut for Lancashire County Cricket Club. But aside from that debut, aside from the pride associated with that particular moment, Taylor, on the flip side, what do you say was the, the toughest moments from your time with Lanx? Was there anything in particular which stands out from that second stint well, with the club? So my journey almost takes another turn at this point. So after the Royal London campaign... Um, I was told there wasn't going to be a contract for me there. So um, that was sort of a tough procedure to go through because then once again, I thought the, do I thought the door had opened and then the, the door to be slammed shut again. Um, that was definitely a, a tough moment to then try and go around trialling around, see if you can get what else you can, what opportunities you can get. But things happen very quickly in the last couple of weeks of the season. And you go from, um, you go from almost... Not never expecting, but thinking you have a good chance of um, of being signed permanently, and things people don't always see it like that. And look, I have no 
no hard feelings at all to to anyone there. They they did a fantastic job for me and helping me find somewhere else. Um, yeah, so but that was definitely a tough moment trying to walk out of Old Trafford there after uh, after being told there's no contract and you're back to square one. You think, yeah, right. So I start applying for jobs. So it well, was a crazy scenario. It's, it's funny you mention that because again, this is a similar theme that that crops up all the time on the podcast when it comes to those releases. Did you have a backup plan? Because obviously you've got your degree, but in terms of the job market, did you have something else in mind? Or for you, were you laser-focused on cricket at that point? Because I know beforehand you had almost left the game, but you just got back into it. Was that ever a thought which which crossed your mind necessarily? It was. It was like, a, right, then what do I do now? Um, so it was straight home, laptop open, applying for grad schemes, really, at the time. Um seeing what I could get on. I got a couple of interviews, but the next uh, few weeks after that was such a, a whirlwind. It was just, I think I remember walking out of Old Trafford probably first, second week, uh, sorry, last week in August, just after Royal London finished. And then I was, I signed at Worcester probably two and a half weeks later. So it was a crazy, uh, yeah, it was a crazy couple of weeks. Certainly sounds like it, and in terms of the the events that led up to your signing for Worcestershire here in the West Midlands, what were those events? How did that first materialise initially? Well, as I say, Paul Paul Alec did me um, a massive favour in the sense that he sent round my details to all the counties, um, and as I was on the way back from that, I got a call from Kent to where I like to come and try with them, and so I had two weeks travelling down there. Um, I got some run. A couple of two seventies in the second second game, and then they said, "Well, I didn't I had to finish my degree, so I had a week off, and then went to Worcester. I got a trial at Worcester, and then getting a hundred there, and then so in the space of the week, I kind of went from having no options on Indeed.com looking for grad schemes and applying to to God knows how many grad schemes to then um, having two contracts on the table, which was remarkable and." sort of just summed up the up and down journey of it all. It's not been easy. It's just been, you think it's just, it's been a sort of whirlwind sort of experience. Most certainly has. And again, that is just a testament to, to the, to the state of your, your cricketing journey really, Taylor, hasn't it? Over the past few years. I mean, it must be tremendously unsettling at times though, that uncertainty. Oh, it definitely. hundred percent is. It's a roller coaster, especially when you're trialing around. Um, it's, it's, it can be mentally quite grueling, like going down to, I remember the first game I went down to Kent um, to play the same team game. I was, I was mentally not in the right place to be playing. Um, obviously, I'd only found out that I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to be offered a contract at Lanks on probably the Friday to then play club cricket on the Saturday, travel down to Kent on the Sunday. Um, was sort of like a, whoa. And I didn't, I didn't really um, at the time realise how much of an effect it would have mentally but and look they only make you strong as a person them sort of things and going down to n- nearly six hours in the car to go down to Kent and then to not really to not know anyone um, was interesting but two weeks down there they're a great set of blokes as well and I could have quite easily could have quite easily gone for gone for Kent but I thought Worcester was the better better fit for me well before we discuss that because I did want to know that actually why you chose the pairs over the Spitfires because obviously two clubs that were vying for your signature at the time that must have been quite an interesting decision to make but 
before I jump the gun and actually ask about that, I just want to take us back ever so slightly there. And you mentioned about not being in the right place necessarily to play at that time. This is going to be a very profound and pertinent question, to be honest, Taylor, but what drives you to chase this dream of becoming a professional cricketer? What is the inner motivation for Taylor Cornell to get up in the morning, face that adversity, pick yourself back up, dust yourself back down, and continue chasing this dream? What is it that fuels the fire within? At the time, I wasn't really sure. I kind of lost it at the time. Um, I would say, though, just love of the game and I've always something I've always wanted to do um never really liked failing at things even though my um the past is almost ridden with failures so it was sort of just a I wanted to prove at that point to people that I was good enough to do it and I was good enough to go and get a contract elsewhere almost so it was a lot of like inner like hunger to want to go right let's let's have it here and let's let's go and let's go and see what we can do elsewhere but I never, I never in my wildest dreams thought from that point, from leaving Old Trafford on that Friday night, thinking, God, where do we go now? To like, three weeks down the line, I was I had the choice between two counties. It was, it was remarkable. It really is, and two very different counties in terms of the geography. Obviously, Kent down in the southeast, Worcestershire here in the West Midlands. It's very different to the northwest, where up until that point, you'd pretty much spent your entire life knowing that you went to uni in Leeds, Bradford. But even that's in the north. Right, so either way, you're going to head south with either Worcestershire or Kent. And in terms of that decision, even though it was such a whirlwind and, as you mentioned, a tremendously difficult one to make, what was it that swayed you towards the pairs of Worcestershire as opposed to moving down to Canterbury? Um, This is no disrespect to Kent, but just at Worcester, I just felt so much more at home at the time. Um, It's such a wonderful club with a wonderful atmosphere. Um, very family-based sort of playing culture. And it just seemed like the perfect fit. Um, the second team coach at the time, who's now the new assistant coach, uh, Kadir Ali, he was, a, he was a big part in that. And yeah, he's been fantastic for me and many others. For example, like Cash, Cash Valley, who's had almost like a, a flashbang straight into the, the first team and made them really well. And um, that's all like a lot of that came from Cads and the way that he makes that second team environment for trialists. And it just sort of seemed so right. And I just remember when, when they offered it me being just that little bit more excited than I was when I got the Kemp offer. So it just seemed logical. It was a little bit closer to home. And yeah, I just, I really enjoyed every minute of being there. It just seemed, it just seemed logical the one to choose. Well, that will be music to the ears of the Worcestershire faithful tuning in to today's episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast, a glowing endorsement of all things Worcestershire CCC. And in terms of the, the first impressions, I suppose, Taylor, what did you make of New Road? What did you make of that Worcestershire team? Obviously, the coaching staff. What were the initial first impressions of Worcestershire as a county cricket club? Well, it's a beautiful place to play cricket. New Road with the cathedral in the background. Um, yeah, I loved it there. I thought, wow, this is this is really nice, and how lucky I am to be there now and and still playing. Um, the playing uh, the playing staff themselves. I've so I actually lived at university with Jack Haynes's brother Josh. There's uh, another shout out for you. Um, <laughs> We're ticking them off. So yeah, we are. We are getting through. Um, so I sort of 
knew of Jack and also Josh's Josh has played in, for Worcester and obviously Gav, his dad. Um, so it was just sort of like a, that was straight a nice link straight away and a friend there. So, and then everyone was just made everyone feel so welcome. Um, as I say, it's very family based and everyone is, everyone's so nice. It's a lovely place to play cricket. I can imagine it is because honestly, the Worcestershire boys that we've had on the podcast, Jack's one of them, funny enough. Lovely fella, and I'll do a shout out this time. Shout out to Jack Haynes because he was a great guest, and again, he's got a and tremendously bright future. Really, really good talent, but it does seem like a really nice environment they've got at New Road at the moment. And I say that as a Warwickshire fan, so that says a lot in terms of that pair's culture. You've even got some respect from your West Midlands neighbours. But in terms of, of Worcestershire as well, the other thing, I suppose, Taylor, this is going to be interesting, actually. Did you find it a little bit of a culture shock in terms of moving counties? Because the West Midlands is different from the Northwest. Obviously, it's the same country. It's still England. But in terms of, you know, living around Worcester, you've got the likes of Droitrich, uh, Redditch as well, Stourbridge, Bromsgrove, all of those places. What's it like moving from the Northwest, where you've been pretty much your entire life, to relocating to the West Midlands? Um, it felt quite natural at the time, obviously, living at university. Um, I was used to living away from home and living in different places. Um, it was nice. It was a nice change. It's got a little bit warmer down here. Um, it doesn't rain as much, which is lovely. But, yeah, it was it was nice. New challenge. I've always seen it as that sort of scenario, and I enjoy moving to different places. So, yeah, very much so. Good. I'm glad to hear that as a Midlander. Obviously, I'm on the right side of, of the county boundary here in Warwickshire, <laughs> but Worcestershire's all right as well here in the West Midlands. But Talking of the pairs then, what do you say has been your proudest moments in a Worcestershire shirt so far? Because I can think of one particular knock in the One Day Cup, which I would imagine is up there in terms of your personal highlights, maybe not just at Worcestershire, but on, on a career whole as well. Would you say that 97 is the proudest moment from your time in a pair shirt so far? It's probably my most frustrating moment in a pair shirt. Um, obviously, not missing out on the hundred was so frustrating. Um, it was almost working. We'd had we'd already won the game at the time. Um, batting, I think I was batting with Gareth Roderick at the time, and we we put on, we killed the game almost with a partnership. But um, yeah, so uh, the most frustrating thing, but. Yeah, I'll probably say my first class debut, though, was probably my proudest moment. Even though we've got a second ball duck, but, you know, we, we move on, don't we? And like having having mum and dad there, my girlfriend Meg, was was lovely. Um, even if the the game wasn't exactly perfect for me, it was still a very proud moment. And receiving my cap um, was fantastic. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, the, the end results and that two-ball duck, it's not ideal. But at the same time, no. cricket's a cruel game. It honestly doesn't it care is. for milestones or debuts. Cricket is a cruel mistress at times. But at the same time... It was time, a belting game, actually. We'd gone, I think, we we fielded for 170 overs in the first stint. And 170 overs to the second slip. And then went in, faced the first ball. Thought, oh, it's okay. This pitch is very flat. Second ball, the ball did not bounce and clattered into the base of my stumps. I then watched... I then continued to sit down and watch us get 550 and everyone else get run. So it was sort of, oh, it was very interesting. Things only got better from that point onwards. Of course, but it's the nature of the beast, isn't it? At times, opening in first-class cricket is absolutely brutal. And 
I always ask this actually to openers. So, for example, one of our most recent guests actually was Ben Compton, the the leading, well, mm. second leading run scorer, Kent's leading run scorer in this year's uh, Division One of the County Championship. And so I had this exact same conversation with him, funnily enough. But in terms of, of being an opener, Taylor, how do you mentally prepare yourself to walk out into the middle and face that new ball? Because when you think about it, everything at that moment, yes, the new ball might come onto the bat a bit better and there's more gaps that you can actually find in the field. But at the same time, you've got fresh bowlers who in county cricket, as we all know, are lethal. So you've got the likes of Chris Rushworth, <laughs> to name one. James Anderson's another one. Stuart Broad might be playing. You've got so many world-class options potentially bowling at you with that Jukes ball, which nips about all over the place. You've got atmospheric conditions playing against you. Potentially the pitch at times, in particular if you're playing down on the south coast at the Aegeus Bowl, that might also come into effect. Being an opener is a tremendously difficult place to bat. So how do you mentally prepare yourself to walk out onto that field knowing full well that realistically you're probably going to fail a lot more times than you succeed as an opening bat? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely still learning to try and do that. Um, I think it's so hard as well when it's your job compared to when it's not. But it's so, I'm trying to get to a stage now where you just laugh, let it happen and relax. Look, I mean, you're not, you're not going to succeed every time. Um, and that's where you've got to look at it. And enjoy the challenge. Enjoy the challenge. Don't. Don't let it overcome you. Just relax. And if it doesn't go your way one day, then you, your day will be the next day. But when it is your day, try and make sure that you're, you score as many as you can because you know how hard it can be on the other end. It most certainly can. And, and funnily enough, actually, we've spoken quite a, at length about a certain Sir Alistair Cook in today's episode of the podcast. If you look at his first-class stats, he averages a century every eight innings. So that's one century every four games. That's the greatest opener, arguably, ever in the game of cricket. (laughs) I know, but that does just show he he really does. Sir Alistair Cook makes it look tremendously easy at times, but that just says how hard it is to open the batting when you've got the greatest, arguably, English player ever, and yet he's only scoring a century once every three to four games. So that's just something to put into perspective for any young openers out there. It's tremendously difficult. But then again, as an opener, Taylor, and you can probably back this up a lot better than I ever could, seeing as I bat at number 10 or 11 for my local club. (laughs) But when you do score big, it must be the most tremendously satisfying place in that batting lineup to lift that helmet off and and raise the bat, mustn't it? Oh, 100%. 100%. I think it's weird for me because I probably feel more comfortable opening now than... So I think if I have five or six first-class games now, I think I've... I've batted one, three and four and having to wait behind someone, I find it horrible. I just wait and you think, oh, when am I going in here? Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's very rewarding. And, and as I say, when you, when you get in, you've got to cash in because you might come again in second innings and you've, you've nicked a new ball and you're off and you sat upstairs having a cup of tea and it's 11.02, your day's done. You might not, you might not do anything in the game until the Three days later, it's the only, only job in the world where you can walk in, have a great morning, get to 11 o'clock, sometimes even start early, 10.59, and you look at your day's done and you sat there, with your cup of tea's not even uh, not even cold yet. It's remarkable. It is. Again, it's a cruel game, but at the same time, it is the best sport on the planet. 
It, it really is. You don't get moments like that in football, do you? No, you don't. At least you can in football. You can run around, put a bit of a shift in. Yeah, it's yeah, all you can do is just congratulate the lads and try and keep them going. Throw some darts. Try and uh, try and justify, and let you go again in the second innings. Yeah, I mean, again, though, it's such a strange sport. It really is. But what a sport! What a game! Wouldn't change it for the world. To be honest, at times cricket, it really is just the greatest thing on the planet, without a shadow of a doubt. But Taylor, aside then from uh, from proud moments, I suppose again, I do have to ask this because this is a recurring theme, obviously, in the game of cricket. We've spoken already how cruel it can be, and the fact that there is that roller coaster elements. You have your peaks, your troughs, your high moments, your low moments. What do you say has been your toughest moment from your time at Worcestershire so far? I think, well, um, probably that that debut. I had such high expectations of that game, and I felt like my game was in a good place. I was, I was ready to go. And hopefully, put put my stamp on the game and cement my place in the team moving forward. And that was tough when I got a ball that was almost rolled along the floor. Um, that, was, that was a tough one to, to get a backup from because you feel like, oh, my chance is gone there. But they only make you stronger. And as I say, there's been a lot of that sort of thing in in my career so far. It's been very up and down. So you've just got to ride the good with the smooth, haven't you? You do indeed. It is just part and parcel of the game. And yeah, it's disappointing, obviously. It's very frustrating, but you've just got to deal with it. And as you said, Look ahead to the next innings. You can always make an impact in either a second innings in a first-class game or if it's a white ball game, the very next match. That's the beauty of cricket at the same time. You do always have that extra chance on the horizon, don't you? Especially as an opener. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and always, you can always look as positive. You can can learn a lot from the people around you. For example, we've got Azar Ali coming back again next year and he's fantastic to learn from. And just he's a great bloke. Um, very funny so it's it's always fantastic when you're watching them sort of players well to be honest Taylor you could not have set me up any better actually for our next segment which is our listener questions and we have got two actually this week from the Worcestershire faithful this one is from Mr Ferguson and again you you might have actually just answered this but Mr Ferguson asks who's the funniest guy on that Worcestershire team would you say it's Azarelli or someone else potentially giving him to the post um, I think he might just get pipped. Um, and I would go for, I'd probably go, I'd probably go Jack Haynes. I think there's, um, me and him have a long running battle with Jake Libby about how, how much, how much annoyance we can cause him in the changing room and what we can do to his stuff and play a couple of pranks on him. Uh, I think he, he doesn't really go a day before unless his phone goes missing or he's or he's spare boxer shorts or something like that. So I would, I'd probably go for Jack, probably because we enjoy the same sort of humour and especially love um, cutting holes in Jake Libby's socks. Oh, I feel bad for Jake Libby. I, I really do. And the reason I say that <laughs> is because obviously this is now a couple of years ago, but Daryl Mitchell retired from Worcestershire. And Daryl Mitchell used to play those exact same pranks on a load of the lads in that dressing room. So to know that you and Jack Haynes are continuing that legacy is hilarious for us. But for the lads, they must be absolutely hating that. Well, yeah, so my main target is probably just Jake, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but I think 
I think Jack's learned a lot from from Daz, um, and we all play at the same club now at Ombersley. Um But yeah, so anything we can do to really to make Jake's life a little bit less easy is is perfect for us, really. Fair enough. Sorry, that's just made me laugh so much because I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. The fact that Dow Mitchell's legacy is being carried on in the form of you two as a double act is absolutely hilarious. So yeah. Fair play, Taylor, and fair play to Jack as well. Good to see the legacy is still strong at New Roads in the prank department. And talking of Jack Haynes, actually, this relates to the next question, actually, from Mr. Ferguson. This was an interesting question. He says, if you could only eat one flavour of crisp for the rest of your life, what would it be? And he's put in brackets, Jack Haynes said prawn cocktail, which is weird. That is weird. Mm. Um, it is. I would go... McCoy's flame grilled steak, They're very much part of my meal deal, and beautiful crisp. Shout out McCoy's. <laughs> there we go. Keeping up with the theme for the podcast, another shout out, but a worthy one as well. McCoy's great choice of crisp, and actually Taylor. Just before we talk about the future and wrap up today's podcast, I, I did I did ask this question to Ben Rain. Actually, again, lovely fella is Ben Rain, great bowler. But uh, you mentioned about a meal deal. What would your go to Tesco meal deal be? On a game day? Oh, I would go... I quite like the Southern Fried Chicken Wrap. Great shout. With, I would go Pepsi Max for my drink. And finish with a Flame Grilled McCoy's would be my... That's normally my go-to meal deal. That's sensational. Pepsi Max, McCoy's Flame Grilled Steak, and a Southern Fried Chicken Wrap. That used to be my go-to at Sixth Form, funnily enough. Those Southern Fried Chicken Wraps just hit different. They really do from Tesco definitely would recommend so yeah fair play that's quite a good meal deal i'd give that a solid eight out of ten to be honest taylor i think if you would I'll have added that. an oasis over pepsi max it would have been a straight 10 but uh no, oh, it's got to be pepsi max for me <sighs> it depends oh, i'm not a massive pepsi drinker that's the only reason I why see. Yeah. i suppose it's just individual taste but yeah still a very very strong meal deal to say the very least but <laughs> aside from tesco meal deals and practical jokes being played on jake libby Taylor, just one final question, really, to to put a bow on today's podcast recording. That, of course, revolves around the future. So what are your future aspirations in the game, not just with Worcestershire, but I suppose on an individual perspective, and I suppose with the team perspective as well? What would you like to achieve heading into the summer of 2023 and the years beyond? Well, heading into next year, I'd love to cement my place permanently in the Worcestershire moving forward. And obviously the first county championship hundred is something that so on my to do list hopefully for the twenty twenty three season. Um as far as Worcestershire uh, is concerned, I think we've got a great chance this year to do something really special. We've got a very good young group of lads mixed in with some experienced heads. And we're all pushing for the same goal and that's to to come the last week in September down at Headingley, be lifting the division two trophy and moving looking forward. Looking forward to the future and beyond. Well, Taylor, it goes without saying, but obviously I'm wishing yourself and Worcestershire all the very best of luck heading into 2023 season. And of course, the years beyond, it would be lovely, wouldn't it, for the Pairs fans if you could lift that Division 2 trophy, return to the first division for the first time in quite a few years, admittedly, for Worcestershire County Cricket Club. But as you said, there's a lot of talent. You've nabbed Adam Hose from us as well, so he'll be a big help. In terms of yeah, that promotion you got, push. You got Barnard, didn't you? We you did. Barnard going the other way. 
and Moeen. So I suppose there was a little bit of give and take between the, the Midlands rivals there. But no, honestly, mate, wishing you nothing but the very best of luck heading Thank into next much. summer. It should be an absolute blockbuster. Cannot wait for the first ball of the season on the 6th of April 2023. But Taylor, that is essentially it for today's episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. Before we say our goodbyes for the recording, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, businesses, anything like that? Uh, not really, no. I don't, unfortunately. Not even the Instagram? Um, well, you can you can always follow me on Instagram. Find me at Taylor Cornell on Instagram. There we go then, folks. If you want to go and follow Taylor on Instagram, please feel free to do so. You can find the link to his Instagram accounts in the podcast description below. But that is essentially it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for tonight's recording. So each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.